Thank you, Dr. Vitao, Rabbi El Nadav. Rabbis and teachers, and most importantly, Talmidim, Talmidot of our prestigious Magan David Yeshiva High School. I came to discuss this morning something that I believe is very, very important. And it has to do with the month that we find ourselves in, the month of Elul. Elul is a very lucky month because it's the recipient of many Rashi Tevot. What I mean to say is, the rabbis found in those letters, Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed, that it actually stands for many, many different things. We call that Rashi Tevot. Or in English, we call it an acronym. Now, not every month has so many of these acronyms. I found a book that has 100 different Rashi Tevot just for the month of Elul. I mean, take the month that I'm born in, Hejvan, I didn't even found one. So talk about bad luck. But the point is, the famous acronym for the month of Elul is, I think, something that you know already. And I'll say it, and if you know it, you could finish my sentence. Ani le dodi. If we're playing color war, the girls have it. Ani le dodi ve dodi li. What does it mean? I am for my beloved one, and my beloved one is for me. Who is the beloved one? God. God is Dodi. Dodi, I know in Hebrew means an uncle. But we're talking about a favorite uncle, you know, an uncle that you love. So we're saying, Ani le Dodi, I am for my favorite uncle, the Habdil, for God. I love him so much. I am returning to him. And he loves me just the same. And I think that <clears throat> what Elul means to tell us is that it's time to return to Kadosh Baruch Hu. There's certain responsibilities as Jews that we have to God. The boys have their mitzvot of tefillin every single day. Without fail, without miss, sometimes we become delinquent. So therefore in Elul we come along and say, God, I'm returning to you on the mitzvot that I am obligated to do to you. The girls, they have their mitzvot as well. It is the custom of the grandmothers and the great-grandmothers of our community on Thursday or Friday, they would bake challah. Homemade. They wouldn't rely on the bakeries to give up such a great mitzvah that they could do themselves. And then after they made the three and a half pounds of dough, they would take a little piece and they would make what's called hafrashat challah. Now that's the mitzvah between you and God. And maybe we're lenient during the year. We become a little lackadaisical. In Elul we say, I'm returning. I'm going back to all those mitzvot that are between ben adam lamakom. And God says, if you return to me, I will return to you. That's a famous one. <clears throat> I will point out that if you look at the last letters, ani is a yud. Ledodi is a yud. Vedodi is a yud. Li is a yud. Four yuds, which is 40 which hint to us the 40 days from Rosh Chodesh Elul to Yom Kippur. So there's an allusion not only in the acronym, but in the last four letters. But today, boys and girls of the great yeshiva, I came to give you a different remez that you might not have heard of. Boys, we're learning Masechet Megillah, which is Megillat Esther. So I thought to bring an allusion on Elul from a pasuk in Megillat Esther. The Pasuk says, pay attention, four words. Ish le'ehu u'matanot la'evyonim. 
What does that mean? Man to his friend and gifts to the poor. What does that have to do with Elul? I think the explanation is that it's true we have to make amends and we have to make rectification on the mitzvot between man and God. But the pasuk is telling us, Ish don't forget that there's two parts of the Torah. There's ben adam labakom and ben adam lahavero. And if you think that just by putting tefillin on every day and just by making hafrashat hala every Friday that you could be delinquent to your friends and you could bully them around and you could embarrass them and shame them and you think that you could not be a good friend, then you're only following a small part of the religion. It's not enough ani dodi. You have to fulfill ish lede'ehu. Ben Adam la makom has to be followed by Ben Adam la havero. Then you're considered a complete Jew. Elul reminds us of the completeness of what is expected from us. Religious behavior, ceremonies, of course, we must follow all of the Tariyag Mitzvot, but not at the expense of Ben Adam la havero. Not at the expense of compromising the respect and the decency that must be afforded to our fellow. In the yeshiva, we have the opportunity to do both these mitzvot. We have our midrash where we pray every day. We have our classrooms where we learn. But more importantly, we have the areas where we socialize and we connect to each other. And that's where we work on ben adam lahavero. Don't wait until you get married. Because if you don't learn how to become and I'm going to say a, a word, uh, Rabbi, the Dr. Vita will translate it, a mensch, or a mencha, I guess. If you're not going to learn how to behave socially amongst each other, what's going to happen when you get married? Here's where we train you how to have derich eretz. And therefore, Elul is both. There's a law in the Torah in this week's perasha. The perasha reads like this. You're not allowed to take a donkey and an ox and put them together and work them together. Now I know none of you are doing that. Most of us don't have donkeys, most of us don't have oxen, and nobody's thinking to put them together and work them side by side. But the Torah is an eternal book, and if it's telling it to us, it must be teaching us an eternal lesson. Who could know the reason? Why are you not allowed to put these two animals next to each other? Anybody know a reason? I'll tell you the reason. You have to know something about animals. Oxes chew their cud. You know what that means? I know you had breakfast and I'm sorry to ruin your appetite. But after the ox finishes eating, goes into one of his stomachs, and then all of a sudden, it comes back up again, and he chews it again. Now, he's not eating new food. He's just regurgitating and chewing again the food that he ate a few hours before. A donkey doesn't do that. And now the donkey is next to the ox, and he turns to the ox, and what does he see? They're working hard. He sees the ox is chewing. Now the hamor is a hamor, he doesn't have a brain. So what does he think? It's not fair. How come he gets to eat? 
and I don't get to eat. Now go explain to the Hamor that he's regurgitating. The, he's a Hamor, he doesn't anything. He can't even count to two. You can explain to him uh, what Malagira means. So now the donkey is going to be in pain because he thinks he's getting mistreated. Why does he get to eat when he works and I don't? And really it's not true. He's not eating. He's just regurgitating old food. But the donkey doesn't understand it. So the Torah says, so you don't cause the donkey pain. You can't put him next to the ox. I'm asking you a question. What's the lesson we learn from that? We make what's called the Kalvahomer. If the Torah says you have to worry about the sensitivity of a donkey's feelings, Kalvahomer, you have to worry about the sensitivity of people. That's the lesson. If you have to worry about that the Hamor is going to feel bad and he's going to go up and cry, he's Hamor. Yeah, you got to worry about him. Tsar Bale Hayim. The Torah is telling us if the donkey you have to be concerned about, you have to be concerned about the human kalbahomer, ish lere'ehu. There was a great rabbi called Rabbi Tversky. And I'll conclude with this story. I knew him well, Rabbi Abraham Tversky. He was a great, great rabbi, great psychologist, psychiatrist, doctor, he was everything. Great, great, great man. He wrote over... I think 70 books. Go to the bookstore, look for his books, Dr. Abraham Tversky, on every topic. He tells a story about his father, who was the chief rabbi actually in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm sorry to tell you that my Tversky's father came down with pancreatic cancer. Better than none. It's fatal. Rabbi Abraham Tversky, the son, walks into his father's room in the hospital, and they start talking about chemotherapy. So the old rabbi says to his son, this is terminal, this cancer. It's very hard to survive it. I don't think the chemo is going to work. Rabbi Tversky, the son, says, you're right. It's probably not going to work. And it's very painful. Rabbi Tversky says, yes, dad, it's very painful and it's not going to work anyway. And therefore, it's probably better that I just not take it, not be in the pain, I'm going to die anyway. Let me just die peacefully without pain. Rabbi Tversky, the son, says, you're probably right, dad. As a doctor, not going to help you. Why you suffer? Fine. The old man, Rabbi Tversky's wife, walks in, the Rebetzin. Old lady. She says to her husband who's in the bed, I think you should take the chemotherapy. He said, okay, absolutely, I'll take it. The doctors start to come in. They're giving him the chemotherapy. Rabbi Abraham Tversky says, Daddy, you just told me it's too painful. You just told me it's not going to work anyway. It's just going to make your life more miserable. Why, when mommy asked you to do it, right away you said yes. And he said that, my dear son, I'm going to die anyway. And if I don't take this chemotherapy, mommy will feel guilty for the rest of her life that she didn't do something to save me. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it for mommy. I'll suffer and I'll go through the pain just so mommy can think that she did everything in order to help me. If I don't take it, she'll always say, I should have given it to him. I should have forced him. I should have convinced him. Look at the tzaddikim. 
that they're willing to take from their own pleasures of life and go through an ordeal. Why? Not to hurt the other one. Boys and girls, learn a lesson. It's Elul. Be very strict on your commandments between man and God. But please don't forget, we're in a yeshiva with people, not donkeys. And if the donkey deserves respect, the human kalbahoner. I leave you with the most important acronym of Elul. Ish l'reehu u'matanot la'evyonim. Shabbat shalom ha'mevorach.